us. And, and actually, any time we gather together and we worship the Lord is a special Sunday. It's an opportunity to meet with Jesus together, and, and it's special. But this Sunday has some special significance to us because this building, this space, this worship space is really a picture of God's faithfulness. And I know sometimes we don't see it that way. We've seen it as uh, kind of been a, been a difficulty for us. I mean, you come in here and we clean up after whatever party and there's broken glass here and the bathrooms aren't, you know, we have to do all that work ourselves. But, but really the building, the space is, is a picture of God's faithfulness. Years ago when the vine was, well, wasn't even really a thought. When just a few of us were getting together, dreaming and thinking and uh, Kind of God was turning our lives over as we begin to think about church, when we begin to think about the gospel. Before the vine was a church, a community, even really a thought, God put a series of events in motion that really kind of opened a series of doors that we had no choice but to walk through as he led us down this path. And this building really is one of those. You know, we had done a lot of talking about what, where we, what we were going to do and how we were going to meet and what that was going to look like. And we didn't know where we wanted to be or where God was leading us. And we had talked about everything from downtown to over here to, to meeting in, in the chapel at Westminster. We talked about all those things. And I was laying in bed one night, and I had just moved here from Austin, 2008-ish. Uh, we had just crossed over to 2009. I'd only been here for a few months. And I was laying in bed one night, and, and I believe that God laid on my heart that we were supposed to meet in Will Rogers Theater. Now, I'd never been in Will Rogers, didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know what it looked like. For all I knew, it was, a, it was actually a movie theater or, you know, it just had the name of a theater. It was just an empty room. Never been in here. So I, I kind of woke up the next morning and I thought, well, I'm going to have to explore that because uh, we need to, you know, when, when I felt like the Lord was prompting me to, to explore that and at least telling me that's where we're going to meet. And so I, I needed to explore it. And I picked up the phone and I, I called down here to the, the, uh, the desk and this, this young lady answers the phone. And I wish I remembered her name, but she answered the phone and she said, you know, it's so-and-so's Will Rogers. And I said, hi, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I just want to throw something out at you. And I kind of told her my idea. And she said, well, here's the deal. And I'll just be real honest. We, we don't really do and associate with churches for lots of reasons. One, we don't like to have a consistent reoccurring event because we like to have events that, that get scheduled uh, kind of far in advance. And if we schedule your event just every week, then we don't have time for weddings and those kind of things. And, and the owners don't really want to be associated really with a single church anyway. It's just not great for business, obviously. And I said, well, you know, and we didn't really know what we were doing. So I was like, well, I, I know that I hear you saying all that, but let me just come down and let me just tell you my idea. So she said, well, sure, okay, come down. She's only been here two weeks. She's been working there two weeks. She's like, come down, whatever. So I, I walked in the door one day, and I, 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 we kind of walked through here. Julie Lewis and I kind of walked through the room with uh, this, this young lady, and I kind of explained to her my idea in church, and how we're going to reach people in the neighborhood, and we had a heartbeat for the gospel. Then I just went on and on and on and on and on. And uh, we got to the end. She said, she goes, like I said before, this is just, just isn't something that we do. But I will tell you this. She goes, I'm a believer. I'm a believer, and I think the idea is awesome. Love it. So let me just see if I can talk to our owner. And uh, I said, okay, great, no problem. So she calls me back like two days later, and she says, well, we've got a, we've got a problem, obviously. And I, I kind of knew, because the way she had set all this up, that it wasn't going to work right. And, uh, and she said, here's the deal. Our owner has agreed to let you use the space on Sunday morning, but there's a bunch of stipulations. And, uh, and I said, okay, great. Well, so we came down and we visited with her. And she said, really, there's, there's, there's three things that you've, you've got to meet in order to make this happen. And these just may be, be deal breakers. And I said, okay. She said, well, here's the thing. You can really only have the space from 9 to 1, all right? Okay, that works for us because we're coming in at 9. We have 11 o'clock service. We're out by 1. Okay, good. Check. Great. She goes, and we're only going to provide one person to unlock the door. So you really just kind of have to do all your own setup. So we're like, well, yeah, we're playing on that. It's great. It's two. And she goes, the other thing is the price. 
Now, I knew, based on our conversations, what we could afford, and it wasn't a lot, and it's still not a lot, but we could not afford much, and I knew that that was going to be the hang-up because I knew via the website what the price per hour was to rent this space. It's, it's, it's lovely. Um, it's, a, it's a very high number, and I knew that we couldn't do that. And, uh, and she said, here's the deal. Uh, for those four hours with no help, this is the number that it's going to cost. And she gave me that number, and it was the exact number that we had been able to budget together to be able to use the space on Sunday morning. And it was 20% of what their normal cost was. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. Um, this is amazing. We, we'd, we'd love to, to, to do that. So we started talking with her. And we got these little uh, a contract signed with Will Rogers, and I came back to thank her and uh, met Ben in the back. And I said, hey, Ben, you know, I'd like to say thanks to this little girl. She's like, oh, she didn't work here anymore. She left. She's only worked here for two and a half weeks. And uh, I said, really? Yeah. And I started putting these pieces together, realizing that, you know, the, the Lord had opened up these doors with this young lady who loved the Lord, who was a believer, to carve the path for us to be able to get here to meet all these things. And then she went on, took a different job in that window. And, and so that short story is one of about a dozen that I could share with you, maybe 10 or 12 stories that I could share with you about how God in his infinite, amazing faithfulness carved a path for this community to be, to exist. And so this building, why, has had its limitations for us and has challenged us to move out because of our ability to do my kids and, and be present in the neighborhood and all those things. It really is a picture of God's faithfulness. And so it's been an interesting few weeks because it has been a crazy labor over the past few weeks. I mean, we have spent countless hours at this new space working and, and buying and purchasing and bartering and trading and negotiating with people for furniture and for things and all this kind of stuff. My sweet wife has spent countless hours remaking and refinishing and repurposing things so that we could use them and make them new and buying stuff off Craigslist and turning it into this and making curtains and sewing things and all this stuff. We've spent all these hours and it has been amazing. But as I, what, what began to happen to me last week, beginning of last week, was I began to feel really, have a lot of anxiety or a lot of being anxious. And if you know me at all, which a lot of you do, know me pretty well, that's just not me at all. Like, I don't operate in worry. I don't operate in anxiety. I don't operate in stress. It's just not part of my life. But for some reason, this was creeping up in me. And what I began to realize was that the anxiety that was welling up in me was not about the amount of hours we were logging and the things that we were doing to make this space right and things that had to happen still and still have to happen for us to even make it in there by next Sunday. The anxiety that was welling up within me was because I wanted it, I, I so desperately wanted it to be right. Okay, right for you all, right for the Lord, right for worship, right for our kids, right for new families, just right, right, right. And so as I was spending time with the Lord this past week, God opened my heart with Psalm 89, and it really, well, it messed, messed me up. It really sort of uh, shook me a little bit, because it's a powerful reminder, I think, of the picture of God's love and God's faithfulness. And so as often happens in here, my preaching and my teaching are not things that I get to teach you. They're not me imparting my great wisdom on this crowd of people that are here to learn. Really, my preaching is just simply a regurgitation of what God is teaching me and what I believe is important for us as followers of Christ. So that's what we do. And I preach the things that God is shaping and doing in my heart. And this week, this is one of those things that God is shaping and doing in me because he's turning my thinking upside down about his faithfulness. Because faithfulness, the word, is something that we usually associate with blessing. 
abundance, good times. God is faithful. I mean, things couldn't be going better. I mean, things are right and happening, and we associate faithfulness with those things, right? I mean, it's just how life seems to work. But very rarely do we use the word faithfulness in the middle of really difficult times. Faithfulness is always something that we see on the high side. When we look back on life and we say, God, when I was walking through those difficult moments, you were there, and I could see that now. But faithfulness is not something that we usually declare in the middle of difficulty, struggle, anxiety, um, restlessness. It's not a moment that we look around and we recognize God's faithfulness. But what God showed me in Psalm 89, what we're going to look at today is this. As followers of Christ, we don't merely exist to recognize God's faithfulness. But we exist to make God's faithfulness known. Now, that may not sound like much, but I'm going to ask you to stick with me because I truly believe that it's a game changer. As followers of Christ, we don't exist to recognize God's faithfulness but we exist to make God's faithfulness known. And I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to tell you why that's important. And we're going to be in the book of Psalm 89, the first eight verses. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to flip there. As we really begin to talk about God's love and God's faithfulness, as it pertains to us as a community, as it pertains to our roles as followers of Christ. Declaring and making known God's incredible faithfulness. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Psalm 89. It should be right there in the middle somewhere. Unless it's been moved. Let's take a moment and let's pray. And then I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. And we'll just kind of dive into it this morning. Lord, it's a bittersweet Sunday. It's an exciting time for us. We don't really know what the future holds. We know that we've got a space to go and worship. We're not 100% sure how it's going to work out. And how things are going to happen. And how sound's going to plug in. And how the coffee's going to get made. And how the doors are going to get open. And all those kind of things. And who's going to show up. And a lot of unknowns, and it's really safe here for us right now. But God, you're calling us to risk for you. And so Lord, I pray as a church, we might become excited about the opportunity to risk for you. To step out, try something new, meet new people, invite people to be a part of what you are doing. Lord, this morning I pray that what we do in this place is declare your faithfulness. To make known your faithfulness. God, that we don't exist just to recognize it and say, yeah, yeah, God is faithful but to make it known to all the earth the faithfulness of God, the testimony of a God who keeps his promises and a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Take a moment this morning and just invite God to teach your heart. Just something simple. God, teach my heart this morning. Help me see your faithfulness in my life. Just whisper those things or something similar, anything you want. Just pray that God would reveal himself to you. God, we pray that this morning you would teach our hearts, that you would open us up, and that you would remind us of your faithfulness, God, that this place might be a marker in our life together as a community, that we move from one venue, one opportunity, one door to another. God, that we would put a marker in the ground and we'd say, look at all that God did. Look at what he did for us through this place. Look at the doors he opened. Look at the opportunities that happened. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. Amen. One of my favorite Will Rogers stories is um, we had a, a, a young kid come in a couple of years ago. Well, actually about a year ago. Uh, no, it was a little bit more than that, maybe about a year and a half ago. And uh, they were here for the very first time, him and his wife. And uh, they stood in the back and, 
and uh, I could tell, you know, God was just sort of messing him up a little bit. Like, you could just kind of tell, you get a look on someone's face and through worship and as we're teaching, and you could just tell that God was doing something. You know, I went back there after, after worship, and I introduced myself, and I said, man, I'm so, so glad you're here, you know, tell me what's going on. I could tell that something's happening here. And this, uh, this kid looked at me, and kid, I mean, he's, in, he's probably 30, looked at me, and uh, yeah, he's just a young, young buck. <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, man, this is unbelievable. And I said, that's, that's great. I mean, what, what is unbelievable? Tell me. He said, here's the thing, is that I haven't been to church in probably nine years. Um, I've had a lot of issues with the Lord, a lot of issues with church, um, but what's really funny is that... Uh, the last time I was in this place, this actual venue, was one of the worst nights of my life. I did some things um, that are still haunting me. Um, that kind of began here and transpired as the night went on, and et cetera. And he said, the fact that God brought me back to this place to meet with him, it's just, it's blowing me away. And I look at that, and I, I've taken a lot of criticism over the years for going, guys, meet in a bar or whatever, yeah, you know. We do, and it is what it is, but I look at that moment, and I said, you know, we meet here, and God brought this young man back to the place of where one of his great moments of sin was, and he said, I love you. I love you this much. It's all those sort of small pieces for me that make up this blessing of faithfulness that is God's picture of where he's brought us from. Now, Psalm 89 takes place in a really difficult time in the life of Israel. A lot of times we think the songs, psalms are like, the, most of them are high-fiving songs and we're praising God and all this great stuff. And, but some of them are deep cries from the heart. Psalm 51, David kind of broken heart after his sin with Bathsheba. We see a lot of psalms that are deep cries from the heart. And Psalm 89 is not taking place in a good time in the life of Israel. It is difficult and painful. In fact, Psalm 89 takes place on the heels of the Babylonians coming in and ransacking Jerusalem, burning the temple to the ground, carrying off... Uh, husbands and children into exile. I mean, imagine watching your entire homeland burned to the ground, just destroyed, knocked down, everything that you lived for, worked for, that your grandfathers had worked for to build this temple burned to the ground, walls destroyed, your home caught on fire, and your husband basically kidnapped and hauled off to a distant land. Watching your children possibly murdered as this sort of brutal group of Babylonians overtook the city and the whole country. Psalm 89 comes in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of where life isn't pretty and neat and clean, where life is very dirty and ugly and frustrating and hard. And the Israelites had felt like God had abandoned them, or at very least, God had forgotten them. And this morning, we're going to look at the first eight verses, which are really the sort of the hang on your refrigerator, kind of like these are really wonderful, cheerful verses. But I really challenge you to read the next 44, because they are as gut-wrenching and as authentic a cry as I think human emotion can let out. And when you read the whole psalm together, you get a really incredible picture. But I want to focus on the first eight verses, because before the psalmist gets into all of this other kind of cry from my heart, God, where are you? Don't forget us. He declares some things that he knows to be true. So he's getting ready to just petition the Lord with everything that he has. But before he does it, he says, God, let me establish what I know to be true before I dive into the fact that my heart is being ripped from my chest. And as I thought about 
God's faithfulness, and I think about how we often associate it with blessing. Sometimes the key for us as followers of Christ is not just to recognize that God is faithful, but to see it and declare it in the middle of some of the most difficult or awkward times in our lives. And Psalm 89 really is that picture. Let's take a look at it together. We'll just look at the first eight verses and then go home and read the rest. It's uh, really powerful stuff. So our psalmist says this. He says, I will make, I will sing, excuse me, of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known throughout all the generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, that I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. And then from that point on, the psalm begins to shift. It begins to shift to a deep cry, to a God, where are you? Why have you left us? Where is your voice, your hand, your promises? But those first eight verses, before the psalmist dives into that, are things that he's declaring that he knows to be true. And this is what really caught me off guard this week as I was spending time with the Lord, because there's some truth in here that is really, really powerful when it comes to God's faithfulness and our ability to not just recognize it, but actually make it known to the world. Listen to this in Psalm 1, or the first verse of Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. Now, I was emailing back and forth with my friend Brandon, who is our missionary friend in Guatemala. Brandon and I have been friends forever. And uh, one of my deep, closest friends in Christ. And, and we were emailing back and forth and talking about things in life and stuff. And I was talking to him about uh, my wrestle with Psalm 89. And he reminded me of something that, uh, that's really powerful that I want to share with you. When, it's, when the psalmist says, I will sing of God's great love, that word great love, those two words great love, is actually the Hebrew word hesed, which is untranslatable in English. All right? There is no English translation for the Hebrew word hesed. In fact, some, uh, a lot of times we see it used as loving kindness. Here we see the NIV translators as great love, but really there is no word for it. It Oftentimes our English language falls really short when it comes to trying to capture the ideas and concepts of love, right? We have lots of words in the Old Testament, New Testament, both Greek and Hebrew that mean the word love. Well, this Hebrew word hesed, God's hesed, God's love, it cannot be captured by great love or even by loving kindness because what it implies is hesed implies God's sort of covenant relationship faithful loyal love with Israel who he declares and calls his bride his wife and this idea of God's hesed is this idea of God's faithful never ending never breaking never unshakable never leaving always and forever love so it's not just saying God you have a great love it is a God you have a loyal deep never ending never breaking perfect husband wife like perfect love for your people. This idea of God's hesed is this picture of the most incredible faithful love your mind could ever wrap itself around. A tenderness and a kindness and an affection and a never breaking, never ending, never stopping, relentless, promise keeping love. And there is no English word to capture those things and I think if, if we were to write all that out, it doesn't fit quite as well with the poetry that is oftentimes used in the Psalms, but that's really what that word means. 
And the psalmist says, I will declare, I will sing of your hesed, your faithful, never-ending, never-stopping, unbreaking, never-wavering, ever-moving, loyal, tender, kindness, love, forever. And I love that picture because the psalmist is declaring these things, not in life is pretty, we're all hugging and high-fiving each other, but life is hard. But God, I know this to be true, that your love never ceases, it never ends, it never stops, it's faithful, it's tender, it's loyal. And the psalmist says, I will declare, or I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known throughout all generations. You think about times in our lives where we want to declare God's faithfulness. It's with something great to point to, right? Hey, God was so faithful in my great moment of struggle and pain and hurt. God was faithful in the middle of that. I will declare that. But what is there for the psalmist to declare right now? God has carried off half our population into Babylon. Our temple where he dwells, his very dwelling place is destroyed. The walls of our city are burned to the ground. What am I declaring? The psalmist says, I will declare that never-ending, never-ceaser, never-breaking love and I would make your faithfulness known throughout the generations. The psalmist is saying, look, this is what I know, that even in the middle of life, difficult life, hard life, your faithfulness never stops. It never ends. And I think for a lot of us as followers of Christ, as Christians, as people that love the Lord, we're content with simply recognizing moments of God's faithfulness. God, I, I recognize that you're faithful. In the middle of my faithlessness, or in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of life, you're faithful. But I really don't believe that we exist to recognize God's faithfulness. We exist to recognize it and make it known to the world. See, the psalmist declares that his role is not only to sing of God's great hesed, but to make God's faithfulness known to every generation that would ever come. I'll get back to that in a second because this is, it's a game changer. The psalmist goes on to say this. He goes on to say, you see... Lord, I've made a covenant. You, you said I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever, and I'll make your throne firm through all generations. God had made a promise with the Israelites. God had promised them that he would establish his eternal throne through David. And we know that the Messiah, Jesus, would come through the line of David. But at that point in time, right there in that moment, it looked as if Israel was gone. The nation was no more. They were carried off. There would be no more kings, no more kind of lineage of David. In other words, God was going to break his promise. That's what it looked like from the outside. There was no more nation, no more temple. Remember, the temple was built at Solomon's hands. David's son, I mean, this was God's promise, and it is now gone. It looks as though God had forgotten his promise and walked out the door. But what the psalmist is doing is as he says, I will sing and I will declare, he is remembering that God in his hesed and his perfect faithfulness, promise-keeping, loyal, tender, never-stopping, never-ending, never-breaking love is a God who keeps his promises. And he says, God, here's what I remember. I remember your promise. And you promised to keep your line through David. You promised that you, would made, a co you made a covenant with your people. And you're a God that keeps promises. And so God, what I'm getting ready to shout out to you, I want you to understand, comes from the fact that I know that you're a God that keeps your promises. I think a lot of times in our life, we believe that God is a God who promises and keeps those promises, but when life goes from calm to chaos, we're, we quickly forget. But God's promise is never to leave us nor forsake us, never to abandon us, never to walk out the door is real. And part of our role of God's faithfulness is understanding that God is a God who will always keep his word, always. 
And being able to remember God's promise and God's faithfulness and God's call and then declare it in your life is really important. When's the last time you said, God, I know you promised to never leave me nor forsake me, so I will quit acting as if you have. Remembering God's promises is really important. And then finally, kind of the psalmist goes on and he, and, he, and he recalls some of God's great wonders. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too, and the assembly of the holy ones. For the skies above, who can compare with you? Lord, who is among you, who is like you in the council of the holy ones? You are feared. You are awesome. God Almighty, who is like you? You are faithful and your faithfulness surrounds you. Basically, the psalmist is declaring God's truth. Recalling God's wonders. You know, one of the things that I think that we've lost as Christian community or Christian communities, if you will, is really this principle of recalling and sharing God's wonders and God's faithfulness. You know, for thousands of years, this is how history was shared. Generations would sit down together, grandfathers would sit down with their grandkids or with their sons, and they would tell of God's great and mighty wonders. They would tell of how God broke the Israelites out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea and all these incredible things. They would share history and truth with generations, with their children, with their children's children. This is how history was shared. It was orally passed down. The story was important because it told generations how God's faithfulness endured and went on and on and on. And they sat around at mealtime and gatherings together and they would declare and recall and share God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And I think one of the great tragedies that technology has uh, kind of imparted on us, not just our generation, but really from the 1500s from the printing press on, is that we have lost the need to sit around and recall and share God's wonders and God's faithfulness. Because history records them, they're there. I mean, case in point, for many of you that have been coming for a long time, how many times have I ever shared the sort of how we got into Will Rogers' story? Maybe for the first time, most of you are hearing it. We don't sit around and share God's faithfulness and triumphs and share those things together anymore. We just don't, very seldom. And I think it's a great tragedy because here's my, my whole point for this morning is this. We don't exist to recognize that God is faithful. God knows he's faithful. God is faithful. We exist to make God's faithfulness known to the world. And part of the great joy of being a community is gathering together and hearing someone else talk about God's faithfulness. You know how encouraging that is to my heart when I hear somebody say, listen to what God did in me, how God has been faithful even through my struggle, even through my hurt. Sharing those and declaring those and making known God's faithfulness builds up the whole of the community, Right? And it tells the world that we have a God that keeps his promises and that God's hesed, God's loving, never-ending, never-stopping, never-ceasing, never-breaking, forever kind of love is worth shouting at the very top of our lungs. And that's really what worship is. It is a collective shout to a God who keeps his promises to make, let the world know that we believe in a God whose love will never end and never cease and never break and never stop. That God's hesed will go on and on and on. So this morning... We're going to share in communion together, but we're going to do something a little bit different first. And, uh, you know, of course, half of what we do is really risky, and that's just sort of okay. Um, But this morning, I think it's time, we should take time as a community to share our stories of God's faithfulness together. And so what I want to do is I want to do something a little different. I want to give you the opportunity, it doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be much, to actually share a way that you have seen God's faithfulness 
in your life for the whole of the community. Just to be able to say, hey, look, God has done this, or God's doing this, or God's reminding my love. Maybe it's really profound. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, hey, listen, this is, a, this is what's going on, and I've seen God move, and, and God showed me his great love, his hesed, his faithfulness, and I wanted to share it out loud. Or maybe you feel like you just need to. Now, here's the risk in all this, right? Because this is all my pastor friends are like, you're crazy, because number one, what if nobody gets up? Ah, what if? We'll do communion. Number two, what if someone gets up and does something crazy? Ah, even better, right? I mean, the gospel is risky. He's like, we'd never let, I'm afraid, was like, we never let people talk in church because you don't know what they're going to say. I was like, that's part of the beauty is that we can't control everything. Part of God's ex- excitement of worshiping God is realizing that the gospel's risky and it's messy and sometimes declaring those things together is important. And so what we're going to do is as the band comes back up here in just a second, as we prepare for communion, I'm going to invite you, if you feel led, if you feel convicted, if you feel like you want to, to actually walk up here this morning to this microphone and tell our community how God has been faithful in your life. Now, I realize that for some of you that is a, just an absolute petrifying fear. Fine. And I realize that for some of you, you know, this is something you may not want to do. That's okay. But if you believe that you're ready to declare and make known God's faithfulness, then I want you to walk up here and I want you to say, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be long. In fact, if, all, if it is long, we've got other problems. But just to walk up here and say, God is faithful and here's why. And I want to make that known. I want to make that known. Because I truly believe that we don't exist to sit in these chairs and recognize God's faithfulness, but we exist to make that known. Because when we make it known, the whole community celebrates and the world knows that we worship a God who's hesed, whose love, who's never ending, never breaking, never ceasing, never stopping, forever kind of love is worth worshiping. So before we dive into communion, before we continue in worship, I'm going to invite you to just stand up where you are or walk right over here to this mic and tell us about God's faithfulness. Make it known. Maybe it's just a word about his love. Maybe I'm making it too complicated. Maybe you just want to say something. But walk up here and tell us about God's faithfulness this morning. So I'm going to invite you to do that. And we're going to take a few moments and do that.